Hello and welcome to episode 163 of Flix in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever no ways, the man, the myth, Serge? Soze? Passenger? <laughs> Alessandro Boelsi. Say hello, Al. Just you wait until next week's intro. <laughs> oh boy. I'm excited. On this week's episode, what we're watching and Wanda's wrap-up, along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Usual Suspects. But first, Al, what are we drinking? We're drinking Long Trail Trail Vision. And I thought that with the end of WandaVision this week, that Trail Vision seemed like the perfect beer. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I try to I sync agree. these up when I can. And I'm yeah. fortuitous because I certainly didn't think about this when I bought this like eight months ago. So, um, <laughs> so exactly tra- why it's been in the fridge for this long. Yeah, right. Um, we still have Brooklyn Summer that you gave me <laughs> like a year ago. Hey, man, we're almost there. <laughs> Um, yeah, as we were talking about immediately before we started actually physically recording, I was teased by the vaccine to, to be continued. Yeah. Um, Trail Vision Pale Ale, a smooth, crisp malt profile, clears the path for citrus, floral, and spice hop notes in this refreshing American Pale Ale, Ooh. 5% alcohol by volume. Take a hike. What? It's nice. It's nice. Let's talk about the bottle art real quick. A couple of things. They're like real, a lot. Couple things I like a lot. First off, texture. Texture's not usually a thing that I am thinking about when I look at bottle art, but this is a nice print. I like this papery texture. Most beer labels don't have this, but I, I'm, I'm appreciative of this. It's 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 really nice. It's also very subtly a map. Yes, which is um, really sweet. One of those um, like terrain maps, right? Because it's got it looks like it's got like the relief of like. Yep. I also like this uh, this idea of we don't know what font to use, so we're going to use all of them. Yeah, there's multiple fonts. <laughs> <laughs> I like the compass. I like the carabiner clip. That's right. And the little hiking dude. The little hiking dude, the, the classic long trail logo. There is a delightfully rendered uh, hop cone. And uh, and this uh, this craft was born between you and I. Yeah. I like really, this. I like how nice. classy this is. It's Long Trail is the caretaker of Vermont craft since yeah. 1989. They don't own it. They just take care of it. Let's just take care of it. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, oh, oh, boy. What? What'd you do? My beer says 1228, 2017. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Bottoms up. <laughs> it still smells good. Were you waiting to see if I was actually going to sip it? Like, it's not poisoned. No. Um, <laughs> not bad. Uh, reminds me of that um, Einstock that we had. Do you do you have the same fun thing happening with your phone? The cloud? Right? The cloud that was sitting in the middle of my glass? Yeah. I'm... It's like sherbet. <laughs> like yeah. On top it's of really the weird. I wonder if that has... It's something to do with the very, very old beer. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't believe so at all, actually. I don't know why. This is one of the coolest foam effects I've seen on a beer in a while. God, I I hope we find out that this beer was discontinued that year and like we're actually drinking the last ones. <laughs> oh man, we, we should have kept it. But you know what? It's, it tastes pretty solid, but it smells great. This is a really, really good smelling beer. I, I enjoy this, the aroma tremendously. I don't, I, it's not, it's a. It's. I feel like it's a. It's a nice scent, but it's not. It's not overstated though. It's like it's very mellow. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's got citrus, floral, and spice hop notes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fool. I just realized that under the cap, there's a picture of Vermont. And it says, on the, the it says, a taste of Vermont. It was the taste of a child. <laughs> oh, I used that line in all seriousness today. It was actually pretty dark. Oh, oh boy. Is this one of your nuggets? <laughs> no, no, no. No, my mom was uh, thinking about betraying her... Uh, her hairdresser of like 20 years. Oh, why? Scandalous. It's not worth getting into. It's, it's actually <laughs> rather a sad story. And I, I do feel bad for my mom. It, my sister were a little bit harsh um, mm. in judging her slightly, uh, mm. only slightly though. Um, and <laughs> did you call her a fucking whore? <laughs> I did actually. <laughs> oh my goodness. She said, Sorry, I Carla. Exactly it came up. She said something came up where, um, like how is how is she going to deal with this or whatever? I said I said well I know what it's going to taste like. It's going to be the taste of betrayal. You fucking whore. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, what are we giving this? This oh, where did we land on the Einstock? I feel like there's a taste that oh, it, it's Einstock, similar to that to me. I don't know because that one is not the same style. This is a pale ale that was mm-hmm. ale, um, and those are not W H I T. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do we do two Einstocks now? Do we yes. do the, the the basic the Belgian style wit type thing? And mm-hmm. then we did was it the We Heavy? Einstock We Heavy? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Which was a delightful beer. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. One. They were both very good. Yeah, but like I've had the other one a few times before, but I've never had the We Heavy before. I don't Sure. And, and that was really good. Um I think there must be a similar hop to both of them because that's it's in the aroma more than the taste for me, at least. Sure. So, um, cause the yeast for sure is not the same. Um, right. But right, uh, that makes sense. yeah, I guess I, I could see that. It's, I think, I don't know if it's the citrusy, the floral or the spicy of the hop notes, but, um, it's one of those guys. Sure. Sure. Uh, cool. Where are we going? Thuckle was, where, where <laughs> how you feels? Two thuckles. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I agree. I concur. Two thuckles it is. Ah, shit. What? So when we do this show, Al, I take notes along the way, mm-hmm. right? Mark down timestamps. Okay. Timestamps of each of the sections that I'm going to put a chapter in. I know. I see it. Um, Look at for the, those the of you episode description, who, you can see that you know, typically the beer starts at a certain time, and then the news notes and nuggets starts at another time, and I'm guessing you forgot one of those times. That's correct, sir. Um, and seeing as how we haven't started the news notes and nuggets, I forgot the beer. Uh, but it's, I guess that's the easiest one. <laughs> yeah, typically it's within the first, like, 90 seconds to, it, like, yeah, four minutes. Yeah, it's usually between 45 s- seconds and a minute. <laughs> it is certainly the easiest of them to find. Occasionally me. we go on a tangent. I think the highest I've gotten that bookmark to is, like, seven or eight minutes. Yeah, there was one of them. Well, we've done that a couple times, but there was one of them in particular where it was, I do, I feel like I recall it being nearly 10 minutes before we actually truly discussed the beer. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, you know what I'm not going to forget is to write at 16 minutes. We're going to get in some news and nuggets. Oh, wow. This is another thing behind the scenes. It's not going to be 16 minutes when the listener it's hears gonna be this. It's going to be like 12. It's going to be. Oh, it's going to be. Who knows what it's going to be? Because like, not only do I. We got the intro music. We've got like the eight minutes that we were recording before we actually started. That's a good point. We've got the whole. I tighten it. Tighten. I tighten out the empty sounds. There hasn't um, really been any empty sound so far, except for the sip of beer. That's true. The sip of beer get does get get cut nicely. 
because it's uh it Sometimes goes it I, goes on for too long. Can we can we cut that? Can we cut that cutting? Because I feel like sometimes you need the dramatic pause of the sipping and sniffing of. We could. You won't, but we could. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on We're sympathetic. <laughs> uh, so on to the news and nuggets. We're doing a little bit of grab bag style here. Al's got two for me. Do you want to do your two before we get into WandaVision and what we're watching? Yes. Okay. So it sounds like you don't have any news. I have nothing. Okay. I am barely prepared. <laughs> it seemed it seemed like that was the case, which is why I said I tried to keep it pretty brief. Also, I just didn't like I've been trying to be a little bit more judicious with yeah, the news. I appreciate sometimes that. we go a little too long. But like I want it to be a long section if we have really good stuff to be discussing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Uh so I would like news number two from your list, please. Okay. So I the title of that for me in my notes was Snyder Cut Snafu. <laughs> I like you, it. Are you familiar with this? Uh, ju- I thought oh, I I just assumed you meant the entirety of the situation. <laughs> as good as that joke is, no. Um, There's another thing. There's something else wrong. This one will be fair. Al, tell me he wants reshoots, and no, I am going no, to no, smack no, somebody. No, because no, no. <laughs> no, it's locked and loaded. It's coming out next week. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's the 18th, isn't it? Isn't it next Thursday? I don't know. I, everything kind of blends together. So this one is actually, it seems like it's on HBO. It's not on Zack Snyder, surprisingly. Okay. This is, I'm reading from the New York Post. There's a bunch of different publications. I don't know if there was necessarily one true originator from the news. I usually try and find that in the next news that we do. But Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League leaked early on HBO Max. Nice. It was gone in a flash, but the highly anticipated Zack Snyder cut of Justice League leaked early on HBO Max. According to eagle-eyed fans, the accidental leak was reported by one Twitter user who was reportedly <laughs> searching for the Tom and Jerry movie on the streaming service. This was and you got the Snyder cut? Yes. That is <laughs> These exactly are opposites. This is exactly what happened. This is a, this I'm reading. For, this thing. for some reason, the tweet isn't embedded in the story. It's in plain text. At HBO Max, somebody's getting fired. Ellipses. Tom and Jerry, this is not. Ellipses. Hashtag Snyder Cut. <laughs> Twitter user, then Doug said. Monday. The mishap happened just... That's a terrible sentence. The mishap happened just 10 days before Zack Snyder's Justice League is slated to hit HBO streaming service. HBO confirmed the glitch in a statement to The Wrap and noted it was removed quickly. Zack Snyder's Justice League was temporarily available on HBO Max, and the error was addressed within minutes, a spokesperson told the outlet. Other fans also, sorry, I got distracted by the sentence because immediately after the sentence, there's an embedded (laughs) tweet. Oh. So they are capable of doing it. (laughs) Other fans also posted screenshots and clips of the film on Twitter, which have not yet been removed. Uh, This is from, that's just gibberish. I'm trying to watch Tom and Jerry, but instead it's playing the Snyder Cut. I doubt this is how Tom and Jerry starts off. (laughs) And it's got an (laughs) embedded video that copyright infringement from. Um, however, the leak may only serve to drum up even more excitement for the much-hyped film. The Twitter user who first found the leaked movie on HBO Max already gave it two thumbs up. They figured okay. it out. Wow. <laughs> Great. <laughs> they figured two it out. Two thumbs up, says person on Twitter. Two like, I know up. that our opinions don't matter, but neither does yours. <laughs> two thumbs up. <laughs> two thumbs up, according to then Doug said on Twitter. <laughs> they figured it out. Snyder the boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> at Snyder no. Zach. I would be great if it was like at Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> they figured it out and cut the feed, but I can say the first hour or so of the Snyder Cut is the best DC film I've ever seen. No! That is not how film review works! Nope. Nope. There have been several teasers for the Snyder Cut of the 2017 movie, just Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, as well as a new Joker. Snyder also reportedly filmed new scenes with Ben Affleck as Batman, Superman, and Ray Fisher as Snyder. Fans have begged for the film's release after scandal-ridden Joss Whedon's death. This is, uh, no. I, I, I'm, really, I'm really excited to watch this. You've really come full circle on this. I am. I mean, I'm excited to watch this because I... I just really like I want to tear it apart, you know, and I've never gone in hoping that something's been bad. I'm I am. I advocate for going in the other way. Yes. Uh, Notably on the show. This, however, feels like I can't imagine if it's good. Awesome. That's really cool. I just don't see a world in which it is. So I want I can't. I, I just I'm so excited to see what this has. In store Let's for us. start with the benchmark being better. Will it be better? Because I agree, I don't know how it can be good. I am the most noted skeptic of the Snyder verse mm-hmm. movies um, of the two of us. But I know you've more or less come to my side. But I know generally speaking, it seems like you've enjoyed them more than I have. Um, sure. But good seems like a high bar to clear. Let's just start with better. That's that's fair. Um, Although, isn't it like four hours long? And oh my God, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, it's about four. four Gary taunted hours. us. In the Slack the other day, when he asked who wants to sign up for the what was the four hour director's commentary or whatever it was, mm. <laughs> please just kill me. Something like that. Oh my goodness, what is this movie going to be? What is what's going to happen? What is it going to be different? I'm really expecting to watch the same movie again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best. Just that would a be a cut of paint. That would be on par with my concept of ending the movie two minutes in. No, it'd be the worst version of that because all this four hours, all this fanfare, all this excitement, and it's just the same movie, and then just an hour of nothing at the end of the credits. <laughs> it's the same exact movie, except they just photoshopped his his mustache back in. It's the same movie twice. It has uh, a built-in encore. <laughs> just loops. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be fun. We're gonna have a good time with this one. Well, so. If it's coming out next Thursday, it can't be next week's episode. We already have next week's episode locked and loaded, which we'll announce to the viewers, listeners rather, um, a little bit later on in the news nuggets. Well, really the what we're watching. Um, sure. And that will also inform, though certainly not give away next week's intro. You're going to love that. You're going to forget about it, and you're mm-hmm. going to love it when it comes around. I'm pretty pumped about this. So two weeks, two episodes from now is when we'll do Two episodes from now. Sounds good. Sounds Sound good. good. Uh, are you going to watch Justice League before that? Well, considering I've already seen next week's movie, I guess I have time for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I'm softening on my stance that I wanted to watch it. I'm going to try, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it. Okay. If I have time, I'll watch it. The hockey season's really ramping up. The Islanders are on a fucking tear. So that's oh, taking a lot of my time. But- Plus, I'm reading, I'm reading the first book of the Expanse series a little bit more actively than I had been. So. Okay. All right. Well, I'll say you know you're you're out of your your Saturday morning cartoon is over. So now you can watch. Yeah, but the Saturday Just... morning cartoon was great because it was 25 minutes long, not four hours. Sure. Long. All right. Well, you can watch Justice League then over the course of the next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Al, what's what's news number one? Oh, number one. Okay. In my notes, this was Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you. Awesome. I told you you're going to enjoy this. What have could you, this have, be? Have you? Oh, so you have not heard about the phenomenon. Fantastic. Because I, no. I stumbled across this on Twitter the other day. Uh, this is a story on Hollywood Reporter. The headline is Elizabeth Banks to direct Cocaine Bear, a thriller for Phil Lord and Chris Miller. What is this? Elizabeth Banks has found her next directorial project with a bear-centric thriller that has Phil Lord and Chris Miller to the produce. bear-centric thriller. Universal is behind Cocaine Bear, which is based on an untitled spec written by Jimmy Warden, inspired by events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. Mm-hmm. The true story, as reported in 1985 by the New York Times, was that a 175-pound Black Bear consumed the contents of a duffel bag filled with more than 70 pounds of cocaine that was dropped from an airplane by a local drug smuggler, Andrew Thornton. The bear was later found dead of an apparent drug overdose. Oh my god. The exact plot details for the film, which is eyeing a summer shoot date, are being kept under wraps. Radio silence. (laughs) And it's called Cocaine Bear. Well, it seems to be, at bare minimum, the working title. Okay, I, I will, I'm glad you said that because I'm only it's only about to get worse because with cocaine and bears, I thought it should be the bear essentials. <laughs> so I think you're gonna yell at me for, for you. Nope, I'm on board. <laughs> One of these is the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> this Radio, is ridiculous. Radio Silence, the filmmaking team consisting of Matt Bettinelli, Open, Tyler Gillett, and maybe it's Gillette, I don't know, and Chad Villaya. That was behind Ready or Not was set to direct a previous iteration of the project. The project will be produced under Lord Miller's first look pact with Universal. Lord Miller president Aditya Sood brought the project to the studio and will also produce, along with Brian Duffield and Banks and Max Handelman, via their Brownstone Productions banner. Executive VP production Matt Riley and creative executive Christine Sun will oversee the pick on behalf of Universal. Banks was less behind the camera on the Sony. Another terrible sentence. But Banks was less behind the camera on Sony's Charlie's Angels reboot starring Kristen Stewart. Her other feature directing credit was on Universal franchise film Pitch Perfect 2. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is weird. Whatever. I guess more of that when things evolve. <laughs> the thing is. They had me on the pitch. This could be the worst movie ever. This could be like room, the, the room, or it could be like Justice League, the holiday special. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if it's the worst trailer in all of trailers. I yeah. feel like we have to see this movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for Cocaine Bear. When you title something Cocaine Bear, we just got to see it. It's going to be bad. Like, we, we already know it's going to yeah. be bad. Yeah. Let's just go see it. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be fun. Oh, man. When can we expect this? Did that say? They said it's going to start shooting this summer. So so. at earliest later this year, but probably next year. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like a movie that you're only going to see in the theater, right? This is this not a first theater movie. (laughs) It's not not a movie that you just stream, right? You got to go to the theater to see cocaine. You need to get this full Dolby Atmos. That's right. Vibrating seats. 
It's like a 4D film, and that like at some point during the movie, you're just hit in the face with actual cocaine. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, the chair is gonna rock around a little bit. You're gonna feel some air blowing in you, and then just a puff of cocaine in your face. And then around the credits, you have to escape a bear that's been set loose, <laughs> and it's just now become semi-pro. Yeah, <laughs> everybody panic! <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, all right. Well, Al, you, you brought it. You did bring it with the news. I know. I I went for quality over quantity. I appreciate it. Yeah. What are you watching? So, I don't remember, because we, we were off last week. Um, I can't remember if it was last episode or two episodes ago. I detailed a very odd weekend of movie. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, in order, Friday night, Victor Victoria. Are you familiar with the film? No. I, I, I'm familiar with the name. 1982's Victor Victoria starring Julie Andrews, James Garner, and a couple of the people whose names I'm forgetting. Okay. It features Julie Andrews in pre-World War II France, who is a down-on-her-luck singer who pretends to be a man who pretends to be a woman in order to get a job performing. Pretends to be a man pretending to be a woman. Okay. She it. is pretending to be a man whose stage character is a woman. Everyone knows, everyone thinks that she is a cross-dressing, performing man who is pretending to be a woman. But Got she it. is, in fact, a woman who is pretending to be a man who is pretending to be a woman. Sure. Um, that old story. Yeah, it's, ex- it's extremely confusing to describe it that <laughs> way, but it is <laughs> factual. Uh, entertaining movie. Um, surprisingly... Hmm. Progressive for a 1982 movie. Um, That's cool. Uh, not that. to say that it's perfect. I, I don't know if, uh, I mean, other people, we're talking about two straight white guys talking about this movie right now. Sure. Um, as from my perspective, I was surprised for a movie that was made nearly 40 years ago for being as progressive as it was. Most of the like homophobia was like in like the vein of it ends up actually reflecting poorly on the people who were being homophobic. And surprisingly, the majority of them was just in like the end storyline where like the mafia is involved, where it's like, it's going to be obvious that the mafia is going to be homophobic right. and they're the ones who are bad not the people who are gay or not gay. Well, obviously Julie Andrews character is not gay, but she, her sure. manager quote unquote is actually a gay man living in Paris. So that's okay. where that comes into effect. And also well, that's cool. they I'll think like to check that out that she's a man and, James Garner is falling in love with her slash him. So they think James Garner is gay because they think he's in love with a man. Don't want to spoil anything else about what's going on in all of that. But it was an entertaining movie. It was on that, Prime, I think. So It's it's nice to hear that something older may have been either on the right track or a bit ahead of its time in a situation in on topics such as that. I was surprised. Uh, not not because perfect I'm, in the, all that, but pretty good considering the time for sure. And overall, a good entertaining movie. It's, you know... Uh, not exactly a musical, but there's obviously a lot of music in it, like because they're, they're doing a lot of the performances during the course of the movie. Um, I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it sounds appealing to me because I'm currently uh, <laughs> having this existential crisis that I'll now let you be a part of. I uh, <laughs> I've been lately I've been going for walks midday uh, after I eat lunch. A lot and, better the last two days when it's been sixty degrees. Yeah. And uh, I've been listening to an audiobook, uh, something I've never done before. I've been wanting to try it out. So I had to download an audiobook. I'm listening to a book. Oh, this is a very strange series of it. I'm listening to a book on ancient Rome. 
just okay. a history book on ancient Rome. Uh, and I was like, I'm listening to it. I'm fascinated by what's going on. And I'm like, my Lord, we have come so far and moved so little. <laughs> and, and then it's just like, it was, it was very depressing. Uh, and then you say something like that. I'm like, okay, at least something like that, that's older and a bit ahead of its time, even if it is way behind considering the history of human beings. Um, it's, I, I want to watch that movie. It's really say, long and short only, of it. <laughs> I would say I've only just barely dipped my toes into the water of trying to like learn a little bit better about some of this stuff because we were presented with a very specific worldview. I feel like you and I, oh being yeah, of an age, right? And growing mm-hmm. up in the age we did, it's incredible how much erasure there was of all of that. Where it felt like growing up in the nineties and early two thousands, like. It was almost like gay people sprung out of the ground in the 1980s and immediately had AIDS. And that was like the long and the short of it. Right. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And like, I like, we're probably telling ourselves for not knowing, but also sometimes you don't know what you don't. And sure. so, like, I'm trying to be better just to learn and understand and accept all of that yeah. to the best of my ability. You know what I mean? Mm. You also don't know what you're not taught at an early age when when you're being taught things and certain bits are omitted. That's what I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you can't know what you don't know yeah. until yep. you're presented with facts that are... It's fascinating. So, um, I find uh, that important. Agreed. And, um, in, in my life, I, I encourage everyone else to challenge themselves and engage with things that they either think they agree with or disagree with, you know, whatever, or, or just flat out don't know about, you know, right. whatever. Also, when you're irate, just pause for a second and talk to yourself about what what are you what are you actually mad at? That's been a big <laughs> one for me the last like five years or so. Is just when first presented with like just first of all, why am I getting mad about things like off the cuff ever? So mm-hmm. I think I've like in those years I've really done a great job personally in my development of just. It takes a long time to set off my fuse. Now, admittedly, people with very long fuses tend to blow up more spectacularly because they sure. don't do it. And like, so I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm not perfect, right? But yeah, no, it I'm takes a you. lot to really get to me in that sort of way, which I think is to my credit because I don't think I was always that way. Hmm. Um, but as far as anything in the realm of stuff that I have like beliefs on or don't have beliefs on, now, I'm not even talking about like in this case, like like homophobia and, and all that sort of stuff. Like just like sure. generally speaking, um, I don't see the point in getting mad until I've had the opportunity to try and challenge and learn about any topic, whatever it may be, which I probably was not always like that. And I'm sure that I fought a lot over things that were worth fighting over. And especially things that I was not educated well enough on. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, the if you're ever on the, if you're ever holding the ground of, I know you don't, <laughs> you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Like, just have a conversation, don't. It took me a long time to learn how to say, I don't have an opinion on this because I don't know it. And yeah. That's been one of the best things I could learn. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to be. I, uh, I think it's funny that you said that people that have a long fuse tend to explode. I feel like I've had that type of long fuse for a very long time. I'm like a 32, almost 33-year-old powder keg. Uh, it's- <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, it's gotten to the point now where like, you know, yeah, people sometimes it's just not your day or whatever, and like you, you yeah. give in to it, and like that is what it is, right? Um, now it's really gotten to the point where I don't snap at anything unless 
it feels like you were intentionally trying to piss me off. That's really sure. what, what pisses me off is when it feels intentional that you were trying to piss me off. Cause right. if you accidentally do something that pisses me off, it really takes me a long time mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever. Cause I will give you the attempt to be contrite over it. And it's like, okay, cool. Like we can, yeah. you've admitted your mistake. We can move on. I will, I will carry this load. Right. Like whatever. Um, it's when it feels like, whether through active attempts to piss me off or just borderline criminal negligence that you mm. have like cut across me, that's when I start to lose it where it's like, yeah. you're, Oh, you're just an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like a real dot in the wool asshole. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the easiest ways that people tend to exhibit that is when you express to them, that you feel differently about something and you don't want to talk about that or you would like to change subjects or move on and they continue to bring it up <laughs> or continue to like, like, like you can agree to disagree on things um, even if you feel very strongly about them. But if you like, what's the point sometimes if both people are at a, a stalemate? Yeah. I mean, I guess there are that, agitators in that for that sort of I stuff. I guess I, I weather that pretty well for me more. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more action where it's like, okay, you did a thing. Sure. And it's like, I'll wait a second. It's like, oh yeah, no, you just didn't realize. Okay, fine, it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, and we'll we'll talk about it, and it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, whereas there's times where I'm like, oh, you know, that's gonna piss me off, and you did it anyway. Fine. Right. That's you that's more I mean? what I'm gonna. That's yeah, yeah, what I agree will, with like, that. Set me yeah. off like a fuck like Mount St. Helens. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, sure. <laughs> what a pull! It's fantastic. Uh, you just straight up cocaine bear, just ripping through the town. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Anyway, getting back to this weekend of movies. So Victor Victoria, Friday night. Um, Saturday night, usual suspects mm-hmm. for this week's episode. Nice. Finished the movie. It's about 11 o'clock. And I was like, got a little bit of a late start today. You know, I'm still awake. Yeah, you got I some put time. something on for a little bit before I go to bed. All right. Oh, Harold Kumar started like four minutes ago. I'll throw that on. Wow. I'll watch that for a little bit before I go. There's a movie I haven't thought about in a long time. Watch the whole movie. Nice. And in doing so, realize, oh, wow, that movie is not even an hour and a half long. <laughs> With like 87 minutes or something? But something like that, because yeah. I, was like, I was like, oh, like I'm serious. It was less Wait than Wait a minute. Five... It's still 11 o'clock when yeah, it was over. It was, it was less than five minutes into the movie. And I was like, oh, I can watch that for a little bit before going to bed. And then like, got to a point where I was like, oh, I think I might go to bed right now. And it's like. There's 12 minutes left in this movie. I guess I'll just finish it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, not mm-hmm. like it was halfway through. Um, like, I was in bed by 1230. <laughs> That's amazing. It's 88 minutes, by the way. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes. Yeah. And like 88 minutes includes credits. <laughs> That's right. One times include credits. That's right. <laughs> like, it That's was really done funny. in earnest. I turned the TV off after the final scene, and it was like 1220. It's like a season finale. <laughs> That's not a movie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, you know, delightful to get to go through that again. Um, yeah. Because it's been a long time since I've seen more than five minutes. It's a very silly movie. It is. It's ridiculous. It's also um, the birth of Barney Stinson. I, I guess so, right? That's probably, like, the prologue to that whole situation. Yeah. Um, so Whatever that God takes me. <laughs> <laughs> which takes me now to Sunday. In which I'm sorry. Uh, on Harold and Kumar for a second, though. Uh, Anthony Anderson... Maybe my favorite scene in the movie. I totally forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> Come on, Pookie. Let's burn this motherfucker down. And he just <laughs> <starts throwing> down. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I actually, I really did forget. Um, I, I really did forget that 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 he was in that. Like it sounded familiar when he pulled up to the like the knockoff brand like fast food place. I was like, right. oh yeah, like something happens like here in their whole pursuit, and then that <laughs> that he starts flipping. I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot. <laughs> oh man. All right, so we hit Sunday. Um, so those, those two movies were Saturday night. Sunday, we watch a movie that's several months in the making. It's the movie Bottle Shock, 2008's okay. Bottle Shock, which I mentioned to you last week kind of offhand because I knew it was coming down the pike around and did not understand the relevance in which we discussed last episode that you wished to see Alan Rickman in the lead roles. And right. This movie has Alan Rickman in a lead role. Fantastic. So, Bottle Shock will be next week's episode. Bottle Shock or Shocked? Shock. B O T T L E S H O C K. That would be great. That would have been amazing if you said Shock B O T T L E. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Al. (laughs) You missed the point. (laughs) Starring Alan Rickman, Bill Pullman, and Chris Pine. I would say the three of them are kind of the co leads. Sure. So it's, uh, I'm, I, as I said to Anthony was texting, I, I haven't researched the history, so I'm going to say a truish story because I'm sure there's some liberties, whatever. It's a movie. Um, sure. The 19, mid-1970s, it, American wine, specifically California wine, is what most people think of when they think of American wine, was not well regarded internationally. And a f- British sommelier in France sets up a blind taste test between California wines and French wines. Okay. And that sommelier is Chris Pine. No, the sommelier is Alan Rickman. <laughs> Sorry. I had to. These are the British sommelier. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I, I tried to pick the most American one. <laughs> um, <laughs> asshole. Bill Pullman owns a winery in California. Chris Pine's a son. There. Bill Pullman owns the water in France. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's not like, a, like this isn't like, oh my God, it's like the most amazing movie that no one's ever heard of or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good solid movie. It was, it was fun. Yeah. I will say, one of the worst sound mixing I've ever heard in a movie. Oh, no. There was just really one sequence where the music overtook the dialogue and I was like I truly could not hear a word they were saying for what like is it distracting trombone distracting trumpet yeah the, the distracting <laughs> trumpet <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my favorite family guy cutaways of the time uh, <laughs> I said our friends in- <laughs> no it was worse than that I, I could not understand a word it, it's not a very long sequence like I said it was about probably about 90 seconds but I truly could not understand a word it wasn't super important what they were saying, but still, like, I was just like, guys, come on. Like, this is not that hard. Um, no, I mean, like, it's an indie movie. Like, this was not, I had never heard of the movie before. Um, my brother's girlfriend's father mentioned it to me and my dad because he's apparently not a big wine guy. And he had seen this movie, enjoyed the movie. We were having, like, a wine and cheese night pre-holidays. I can go for a wine and cheese night. Yeah, it was nice. It was a good time. Um, some great cheeses and some better wines. So sure. Um, 
so anyway, we, we watched this movie and uh, it was a good time. It, it nice. was just like, I just found it to be oh. kind of a fascinating story overall. And like, I'm not big on documentaries. I felt like this kind of like checked the box of getting the documentary part of it, even if it's not a hundred percent accurate. And also the movie part of it, we're like, I'm going to enjoy it more. There's a couple other yeah. people like you might recognize. There's, um, I forget the actress. Was, I think Rachel Taylor. She was, um, you, you watched Jessica Jones. You remember her friend, the blonde who had the radio show? Yes. She's prominently in the movie. Uh, of all the random pulls, one of the other guys who works on the, the winery was, well, I, I, I don't know if you kept going with um, Scrubs. Where are you at in Scrubs? Uh, I don't know, like maybe fourth or fifth season, probably fourth okay. season. Do you remember Carla's brother who Turk and him? Yeah, yeah. Heads? He's one of, he's in there. I was like, that looks like oh, okay. Carla's brother, whose name I didn't remember. I looked him up. He was in there. The Pest. Was he really? In The Pest. I know we talked he, about that a few months yeah. ago. <laughs> I, I do not recall him being in that movie, but it's been... Over 15 oh, years man. since I've seen The Pest movie, is so. so bad. It's so good. It's really bad. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Constantly. Constantly say Dear Goose. And when people get it, it makes me it makes me warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dennis Farina also is in the movie. Um, so kind of like I'll, I'll tip off like where like how the story gets started in earnest. Bill Pullman owns a struggling winery. Uh, Chris Pontus, ne'er-do-well hippie son who has to come to terms with literally the math on how long it's been since Woodstock. Um, and Alan Rickman okay. is a British sommelier who is struggling selling exotic, well, not exotic wines, like expensive wines in France, which like in Paris, which would seem to be oxymoronic. Dennis Farina is an American who lives in Paris who loves wine and kind of tells him, listen, your, the name of your place is the Academy of Wine, and all of your wine is French. And how can you really be an expert on all the wines if you only drink one kind of wine? And it sets him off on his journey to find some other wines around the world. That's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to watching this. This sounds like a good time. It's just like a good, like solid, a- fun watch. I don't want to yeah. like, like raise anyone's expectations above sure. what they are, but like it was just a solid, enjoyable movie. I like that. We're telling a story that is true-ish, that... I had never knew anything about which I found kind of like the movie we watched today for tonight's tonight's <laughs> episode. Uh, <laughs> um, true story. <laughs> true <laughs> story. Uh, what was that movie? What movie? I feel like it was fairly recent. It was like a ridiculous comedy that said based on a true story. Oh, man. I also know there was another one that said, like, based on a true story, but only the names, people, and events have been changed. <laughs> that might have been, like, Anchorman or something. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, I always think they do the the little disclaimer that's not true in the beginning of the show, Fargo. At the beginning of every mm-hmm. episode, it was like, uh, all of these events are true. Um, out of respect to the survivors, all of the names have been changed and all out of respect for the dead. All of the events are told exactly as they happened or something like that. Yeah. It's not true, but it's a, it's a funny. That's, yeah. That's silly. Disclaimer cool. The episode. All right. So you, you had yourself a weekend. Yeah. It was a weird weekend of movies. It's, those are wildly different movies. And then in the middle of all that, you finished WandaVision. Correct. Saturday morning. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoons. cartoons. Love it. Um, that, that, that was a pretty good show there. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I know some people kind of complained that it went quote unquote full Marvel in the final episode. Right. Like, sure. I hear where they're coming from. Yeah. But also 
You knew it was coming. The bill was coming right. to do it. I don't know what like, you're expecting. So, like, yeah. like yes, would I have preferred something else? Just from considering, like, tacked onto the end of the story that we got? Mm-hmm. Sure. But also, if you didn't think that's how it was going to end, I don't know what you've been watching for the last four years. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it was, it was... It was really, it, it was good. It was, you know, it, it 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 did the Marvel the Marvel thing. It uh, it got it it got you to have an emotional response as things were unfolding, which was mm-hmm. well done. Which, um, by the way, there's been a lot of those big action sequences that don't get the emotional response. So, like, that's right. appreciate that. Like the what was good about this show, they were at least able to carry through as much of it as possible to the action sequence, right? Like, yeah, you still had a couple of moments where you had to stop and be like, oh, like I'll be honest. Um, the scene when, when Agatha starts, um, like disconnecting all of the Westview citizens yeah, and like, like I was like, Oh <sighs> yeah. Awkward. It felt like, it almost felt like a, like that, cre- like a creepy scene from us. Yeah. Right. Like where everything turns like on I a dime. That. That's yeah. That's really, it was, it was pretty sweet. Uh, it was well executed. I liked what happened. I mean, I understand that like people might be upset about like the whole concept of what they did with that new vision um, is basically, I feel like it's just a way of bringing vision back from the dead, essentially ish. Um, Obviously there, there's another shoe that's going to have to drop there. Like that, that keeps the character open to be in the, sh- in the, the universe going forward. I imagine they'll have to massage that character. Some there's yeah. obviously precedent for it in the comics. So we know that there's something they're going to do with that. I think that just mm-hmm. gives the option to, Hey, we love Paul Bettany. Let's get right. around. Um, that scene was really cool with the ship of Theseus. Yeah. I know I'd heard of that before, but I was not well versed in it. And so that whole thing was really cool. It's a, it's a thinker. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's also, I don't know why it was funny. There's something in the performance that Bettany gives there where it's like, okay, sure, the color is different, but he's wearing the exact same makeup. Like, it's all like the stuff is sitting on his like face in all the exact same way. Yeah. And yet it did really, truly feel like he was playing two totally different roles. Yeah. How? How did that happen? Like, that's absolutely a testament to his performance. Paul Bettany? On the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has shown us the dramatic and the comedic. Now, That's right. So That's right. He is firmly That's on right. the list. He showed us albino. He's showed us albino vision. <laughs> he's <laughs> oh, man. He's, he's great. Uh, but then, I mean, this also, the, uh, aside from the finale wrapping up really nicely, it being a pretty solid MCU story overall spread out over the course of nine episodes, which I really, Honestly, th- as far as like the story goes better than some of the movies. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, it also gave rise to some great, some great memes. Good stuff. It was Agatha all along. Uh, the Agatha all along. We had the, uh, we have the one that I sent you of the um, the visions pointing at each other, but it was like that Spider-Man scene where they're all pointing at each other, and one of them is the ship. The ship of Theseus. <laughs> Pretty great. I love that one. Big fan. And then the thing that you sent me, what is Griff, if not love persevering, was really just the crossover <laughs> event of the millennium. <laughs> the, the two, two of the best streaming shows we've seen in the last several years. It's got Mandalorian. It's got WandaVision. It's got Grief Karga and... What was May- Mayfeld? Yeah. Uh, um, I almost called him Aaron Burr. Wrong Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr's. Uh, Bill Burr's Mayfeld. Got milk. <laughs> Aaron Burr. 
also, I would say, I don't know if you've seen it because I know you're not um, huge on, on Twitter lately, but uh, Agatha has become a huge meme where she's doing the wink. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, nice. I have not seen that on Twitter, but we okay, have so used it a like lot at work. A huge meme for the past like 10 days. Oh, so. Fantastic. I love that. I haven't, yeah, I have not really been on much social stuff. Yeah. I moved it off of the home screen of my phone and I stopped using it because of that. And I was like, oh, interesting. Fair. So then I put more, like, I don't know, interesting things on there, like stock news and what's happening in the world. And I feel a little bit more well versed. Depressing, <laughs> de- depressing Roman audiobooks. The depressing Roman audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. Oh, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I, I implore you if you're not like, I mean, like, we all know a, a, in, to some degree a bit about ancient Rome, but just like, it's just ridiculous. The wealth of knowledge that we have uh, that's been preserved. That, even. We, that we actively at times choose to not engage with. Right. And then just the, this, this concept that the, that the author really puts forth of, all this stuff is written and translated and in paintings. It's you also really need to take into account like the person who made its perspective on the whole situation. Like that, like that it's like so important. Uh it's 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 really it's really fascinating. I'm really enjoying it. Enjoying it more than I thought I would. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm walking around, I've I've walked a mile and I'm just like debating things in my head. I'm like, oh I'm back home. I was like, I good thing I didn't get hit by a car. Like, I, that, I, so that's scary when you go on autopilot. Like, like when you drive home. Yeah, I don't like that. It's like, it's like oh, I don't remember the last forty minutes of driving. Yeah, I'm home. I'm in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Don't remember any of it. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't like that one bit. Um, but back to WandaVision. Yeah. So, um, ship of Theseus, good. Um, creepy, traumatic Westview zombies, compelling. Um, <laughs> yeah, they pick the right word sometimes. Yeah, no, I didn't want to say cool because like not cool, like it's fucked up, but mm-hmm. compelling. On that note, one of the major criticisms I've seen of this episode, and I had a twinge of it too, was at the end when Wanda just kind of looks at them all and then like shrugs and walks off, or flies off. Mm-hmm. After talking to Monica, I was like, mm, that doesn't seem right. The way she walks off, it's kind of like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do? No, I'm a I mean, witch. Like, it's a little bit like... <laughs> My bad, but like maybe more than my bad. Maybe yeah. should go uh, like in the moment. Like she flies in there, you start to see them staring at her, but she tries to like avoid their gaze, and she goes to talk to Monica. It's like okay, it's like oh, so she's gonna find some big emotional way to say sorry to all of them, and it's not gonna be enough. But okay, like you know, we're gonna start. Oh nope, she's fine. No, no, she actually went with the. I know if I say anything, it won't be enough. So fuck it. That was that was her approach instead. Which, <laughs> From a character's perspective, okay. Sure. Buy it, because she's still fully in her grief cargo. But from the show's perspective, the writing of the show's perspective, they doubled down on that by having Monica make her the hero or the victim in this yeah. moment, not the villain, even an unwitting villain. Because she's like, looks at all of them staring at her with daggers. And fear mm-hmm. it says to her, they'll never know what you sacrificed, which sure. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Well, mm, okay. 
unless you take this, if you pan out though, and take in the sacrifice of what she did for them all in Endgame, maybe that plays a little bit better. Um, she killed Vision to save everybody. Sure. Well, so it didn't so, yeah. work, <laughs> and that's what makes the character complex and the situation complicated. Yeah, no. Complicated, yes. And, like, so what she said is fair, but it's not enough because it feels like you're presenting her as only the victim, which she is a victim, but she's also a villain, too. Yeah, yeah. Feels like they let her get off the hook. Do you think that they're going to take her and go full bad? Yes. Okay. I think, which... We'll be I think we need that. I, I think we I, need that darkness in the MCU. We're going to get, she'll end up when I, I think if they do it right, she has the opportunity to move up into the top three villains with Thanos and Loki because they're setting up what could be a compelling villain, not a megalomaniacal villain, not right. just the plain old greedy type of. But some who are, someone that we could see where they're coming from to a degree. Yes, a whether or not villain. it's right. Yeah, because that, like because in in the show she was a sympathetic, mm-hmm. right? Like she's doing wrong. We understand why she's doing wrong. We feel bad for her, but stop doing wrong. Like yeah, which stop they it. Ex- <laughs> yeah, they can expound upon that. And so like so the most the most gracious I can be in my criticism of this is. I hope you let her off the hook here because the bill's going to come due the next time. Mm-hmm. And okay, but as far as this show standing on its own, that feels like a big miss. I'm not saying we all have to sit down sure. and have a therapy session per se, but like it didn't feel like the scale was balanced enough there in both acknowledging her grief and trauma, which is real right. and valid, and also acknowledging the grief and trauma she inflicted in the process. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the end of it, it's like, while I enjoy the, while I enjoy the whole series, I could see where I feel like there's definitely that moment of, Hey, uh, maybe we should talk about this a little longer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get some, get some more out of this. Uh, there's a really good, I know I've been bringing this up a lot lately. I really enjoy them when that, when I, when new ones pop up, but it's a great pitch meeting on one vision that I just, I thoroughly enjoyed. And it also brings up. Oh, all they did of, one already. I didn't they, see They it. did one. And there's also a lot of nods to like the things that they referenced that were clearly going to be something and then weren't. And one of the biggest ones that they did, which I thought was fantastic was uh, he brings up the whole quick, quicksilver thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what? And like the other guy in the meeting is like, oh, God, what does this mean? Does that mean like is the multiverse opening? Is X-Men becoming part of this? No, we're just it turns out his name is Boner. And he's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, it's just a Boner joke. <laughs> I there was mixed stuff there, too. Like we're like, I do like that. Ultimately, they just played it for a stupid joke to some extent. Yeah. On the other hand, it does feel a little bit like an FU because like I I only have so much sympathy. I have a little bit. I only have so much sympathy for the extremely online sympathize, like not sympathize, extremely online, um, like hypothesizers mm-hmm. like, uh, for any sort of show. Like it'd be Game of Thrones, Mandalorian, this, um, they can be fun, right? To get caught up in all yeah. of that. Oh, what could happen next? And like, so this breaking that a little bit is, 
I'll give the people mad about that in the past because it feels intentionally manipulative to like this didn't have to necessarily be the introduction to the X-Men per se. No, when you're making a very conscious choice to use him, that at least has to be if you're going to make that choice, it has to be okay. So like the X-Men are coming. Like it doesn't have to be the end of this. It doesn't have to be the next movie or three movies from now. But like this is a Chekhov's gun kind of, and it feels like they just played it as a joke. No, no. I think I actually think that I actually think it might be super smart what they're doing with it. I think what they're hinting at, I'm hoping what they're hinting at, which is again, this is just a theory because there's nothing to support this. Uh, Well, I'm hoping what they're hinting at is a multiverse. If there is, if we're going with this multiverse situation, the people exist in different states in these different universes. So it could be that character in this universe. Like sure, that, but that the thing person. is, like, but no, but like, he is a person on his own. He's Ralph Boner, right, right, right. Oh, would he, would he have the same name? He, they don't. He doesn't have to have the same name in both universes. I'm saying, like the the bo- like the encompassing body can exist in both, mul- like in different universes, being be, living be a different life. For, it would be weird for a super to get trapped in that random town. It would be weird for. Like a super powered person, but he might not be a mutant in one multiverse. Yeah, but that feels kind of flimsy, though. I don't know. The thing is, like, we know the multiverse is coming, right? Because it's gonna probably be in Spider Man, and it's definitely gonna be in Doctor. <laughs> and it's one hundred percent in the Doctor Strange title. <laughs> yes. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, it, it just feels like a weird way to introduce him if that's what they're gonna. Sure, but um, I I don't put it past them like to the leave this into something like, later. I just don't like the cost that it comes. Sure, that's fine. That's totally fair. Uh, other than that, the uh, the scene with putting the kids to bed was very unsettling to me. Uh, <laughs> I did not like totally get it. Didn't like it. Um, not and didn't like it in that they did it right. It was very unsettling. Like that was the kind of supposed to be. Yeah. No. I mean, I thought that was powerful. That. Yeah. Scene. It was. Like, it was upsetting. Kids and then saying goodbye to Vision. Yeah. Um, you know, and he got to have not quite as resonant as, you know, like love persevering and all that, but still, well, we got to say goodbye once already, and we saw each other again. So leaving that door open, that. Yeah. And we know that now the ghost vision or white vision or albino vision, whatever he's being called. I like albino vision. Called, um, he is now a repository for vision's memories. So we'll see what that leads to exactly. Um, but yeah, no, those, those goodbyes were pretty strong. So that was, that was interesting. Yeah. I, I think what they, I, it, it's funny. Cause it almost seems like the way that they did that, it's like, okay, Eventually, we'll get to see Vision again, but time is going to pass. That's what it felt like. Time however, needs to pass too. We need to. Oh yeah, from this. I agree. But however, like there is leaving that other Vision out there, the dangling is complicated. Like because like, like, yes. like you know it's there. Like how is it going? Like I don't know. I guess there's well, also post credit scenes that have not come come to yet either in across the series. So. I'd be curious to see how that all shakes out just from like a timeline perspective, because we have those movies that have technically been done before this. Technically, Winter Soldier and Falcon was supposed to air before this, but just because mm. the way that the shooting schedules worked with the pandemic coming around, this somehow jumped the queue just because it was more completed. Right. Um, 
Oh, the most unintended of things of this show is that it's made me somewhat excited for this other show because I cared even less about that show somehow. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, okay, well, this was really good. Why can't that be? Yeah, they they were able to do really good with really weird. So, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm looking forward to it too. When is that? Next month? Next week. Next week? I'm pretty sure Hot damn! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would I would have actually liked maybe like say a month between them. Um I'm glad it didn't pick up right after it. I just like just a little bit of separation. Just sure. take a breath. We'll and then we'll we'll go, you know? Yeah. Um so only having two weeks between them feels a little bit quick, but whatever. Like it'll be fun. It's again, yeah, I don't know. my Saturday I don't morning. This will feel especially like a Saturday morning. I'll probably feel that way eventually, but right now I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm ready for the next one. Please. Please. Ah. Please sure. come come forward. <laughs> I just wanted a couple of weeks. I, sure. I'm not asking for much. Just yeah, and you can have them if you want them. No, because we're doing this. On the, uh, That's right. I'm watch it. <laughs> cool, awesome. Well, that was it for Wandavision. That was uh, that was a treat. It was different. It was I. It was. It's funny because it's like it's a combination of like starting off super different. There's bits about it that are super different, but also feels right at home in the MCU. I think they did a good job. They had a douche pants and everything. So like, we're going to get a spinoff up. show of like Jimmy Woo. And oh, my. can Darcy, we please? Right? I watched a thing about that and they pointed out that he does the close up magic with his card. And I was like, I that completely went over my head in viewing it. But really? it is amazing. Uh, <laughs> and obviously we got a we got not just a setup for Doctor Strange, but Captain Marvel, too, because Monica is approached by a scroll and they're that's right go to space i guess so. now is that is that like the the child of the main cat the main scroll from captain marvel is that the no kid idea. grown up the same way that monica is now grown up no idea because she didn't say her name or anything not that i would remember any of the scrolls names but like that's my theory because like age-wise it would make sense Sure, but like there wasn't any if they age the same between them, you know. So, well, that's the other thing is I don't know how quickly scrolls age. So, yeah. Anyway, that was cool. Uh, sweet. Shall we get into some fun and games? Yeah. Al, I've got a very on point fun and games for you this week. If which not dramatically on point, usual suspects are you? Um, <laughs> uh, boy, what is your favorite hobby? Mocking the NYPD. Going straight after years of being a dirty cop, getting punks like you to crack, making up elaborate stories. None of those. Um, making up elaborate stories, I guess. Okay. What do you normally have for breakfast? Guilt, <laughs> cold pizza, revenge, coffee, and a donut. Well, I have coffee for breakfast every day, so let's go with coffee and a donut. Okay. Not guilt. To be. <laughs> If someone that's usually more for lunch. <laughs> if someone were going to expose you, how would you stop them? Make sure he or she was never heard from again. Sorry, I had to I had to finish that sentence and, and piece together the words that were missing. Bash his her head in with a wrench. Stage an elaborate like height. Same thing again. On a two of those feel like the same thing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that one of them is very specific. Stage an elaborate heist on a yacht and then set it on fire. Bring him or her down with me. Let's go with the fiery heist. I was going to say, given the resources, that seems like something that you would do. Right? <laughs> Which of the following jobs appeals most to you? 
Tough cop, world-renowned and extremely feared criminal. Seedy lawyer, heist organizer. Heist organizer. That sounds fun. I could do heist organizing. Who is your best friend? Your superior? A lawyer who does your bidding? Your girlfriend? What? Who you, oh, your girlfriend who you're using? An unintelligible Hispanic crime partner. <laughs> Could you give me the first two options again? I, one of them was my superior, and then what was the next one? The lawyer who does your bidding. Hmm. Let's go with the CD lawyer. Why not? <laughs> I think I know where this quiz is going to lead me. Excuse me. When you die, what would be engraved on your headstone? Here lies the toughest SOB that ever lived. Get out of here. If you cross me, I'll kill you. Here lies the most feared man on the planet. That one. I like get out of here, personally. (laughs) How do you like your coffee? Oh, my God. Black like my soul? Thick and gritty like my appearance? (laughs) Those just say, like, my soul again. (laughs) Sweet like my girlfriend? In your face, sucker. (laughs) These are some great options. Let's go sweet like my girlfriend. Okay. How do your friends see you? They know I'm someone not to be toyed with. I'm like the Joker, funny but dangerous. They fear me. I don't have any friends because I'm just that tough. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what was the first one again? Uh... They know I'm someone not to be toyed with. Let's go with that one. Why not? This is from allthetests.com, by the way. Uh, Of course. Who is your lover? My work, which is revenge. My work, which is justice. My love of money and humor. My girlfriend, a lawyer whom I'm using. (laughs) (laughs) They're really... That clearly struck a nerve with whoever made this quiz. With the, sorry, the first two was my work, which is... Revenge. Revenge, and then my work, which is... Justice. Uh, and then my love of money and humor. Let's go with the justice one. Yeah. Where do you spend most of your time? Your girlfriend's apartment? The wrong side of the tracks? Your place of work? A foreign country, which I rule by fear. <laughs> <laughs> um, work, I guess. Okay, here we go. I'm scoring you. Ah! You're Kaiser Soze. People fear you, and for good reason. 67% from the 2,400 people that took this test had this profile. <laughs> I was going to say, there was like a three or four question run where I was like, I'm pretty sure these are all Kaiser Soze answers. Uh, so. Right. <laughs> it's not really a stretch at this point, is it? <laughs> With that, let us get into our flick of the week. The Usual Suspects, released in 1995, rated R with an hour and 46-minute runtime. A sole survivor tells of the twisty events leading up to a horrific gun battle on a boat, which began when five criminals met a seemingly random police... Met at a seemingly (coughs) random police lineup. I'm sorry, I was really hung up on on twisty events. (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah, your, your IMDb synopsis <laughs> Al what uh, what's your tweet like a movie that definitely trades on shock value in the first watch but has more than enough to offer for rewatching. great writing and performances give form to this mystery 8 out of 10 nice 
Nice. Gripping, influential, and fast-paced, the usual suspects stands the test of time. Asterisk. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Sorry, I was confused because I was like, is asterisk the grade? <laughs> or is it the... <laughs> no, just send the tweet like review. I just want to put it in there. Uh, you got to separate the shitty people from the product. Uh, it sounds like there's some... Oh, okay. I think it's worth pointing out that we're not celebrating assholes, and we we, we will not be doing that. There's only so much you can do for a movie that came out 25 years ago. That's right. Uh, but that being said, the movie itself is really good, and I agree with you. Uh, the first viewing, and I, I, I was suspicious of this, so like I was... Well, I, I, thought, I was a little concerned when you texted me the other day. Yeah, full, full disclosure, I had a, I had like a pretty crazy... I, I, was, I had like a busy week. I was kind of bouncing all over the place. My head was everywhere and when i sat down to watch the the movie i was not i was not prepared to actually like sit and watch it so like i was like distracted i didn't finish it i got like a, a little bit into it um and then i started to think that knowing where it goes i was wondering oh does this movie hold up uh and then i turned it off well i didn't turn it off i completely fell asleep um and then the next day i was like i'm not going to continue from where i fell asleep i'm just going to start it over again this is the type of movie where for better or worse, you really should watch it start to finish. You shouldn't. Yeah, well, okay. So I, I, I started over again. I still didn't finish it because I was watching it with Kim and she started falling asleep. So I stopped it. But it's also different though for you because I mean, you have seen the movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then when, and then I went back to it and finished it up today, uh, just a little bit before we started recording. And I will say like, I, it definitely, that, that, that issue that I had the first re- when I was watching it a few days ago was simply just where my head was at. It wasn't. Yeah. I it, it was not the movie's fault <laughs> by any well, means. When you, when you text me stuff like that, I'm always like, "Oh God, he's he hates this movie." I'm like, "What is? Oh, yeah. What is happening here?" I was like, oh, "Listen, I can see, understand maybe we're like, oh, maybe to whatever extent it doesn't 100 percent hold up or the kind of the hangover factor, the you know whatever." I was like, "But like this is still no, it's it's a good, good movie." It's really good. It's really well executed. One of the things that I actually, I said fast paced in the tweet length when I was watching it with Kim, I was like, man, like this, the movie doesn't, like, it doesn't dip ever. I was like, for like a long, quote unquote, slow movie in the sense that it's very dialogue heavy, mm-hmm. it's never actually slow in pacing. No, it's not. And one of the things that really stands out to me that I really enjoy is a lot of the scenes, especially with voiceover, especially when our, um, our unreliable narrator is going to town uh, is still shots almost like they're not actual still frames, but it's just the camera lingering at people waiting for something mm-hmm. and they look like storyboards come to life. And I love that in movies in general. It almost looked like at times they turned the cameras on before they said like action. Yeah. To catch them in their truly natural habitat. Cause they're waiting for the scene to start mm-hmm. that like, I even wonder, I've never looked up to see if that was the case, but like now you say that it makes me wonder whether that might've been something they played around with for some of these scenes. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the characters have an interesting, I don't They have an interesting chemistry in that they, the actors themselves must've had good chemistry. Like, off screen, I think the only because like the way that it plays out on screen, it's like they're able to play like close enough, but also like kind of watching their own backs. But I don't know. They, they play off of each other really well. Yeah. They're very believable in the roles that they're playing. And I know that's like a silly thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're actors. Like, that's the point. But like, I don't know. It falls short a lot in a lot of performances. 
Yeah. I think that it actually, I think they did a great job. Um, I do think it's funny uh, that the two movies we've seen with one of these characters is this and End of Days. <laughs> I want to see, I kind of want to see what else he's been in <laughs> and see what else, what else he could do. Enemy of the State? Was he in that? That's a, I haven't seen that in a long time. He plays, uh, what the fuck is the character's name? Because he, he, they say his name a million times throughout the course of the movie, but he only is in a very small section of the movie. Mm. I totally forget the name of the character. I don't remember. I don't remember what happens in that movie even remotely. But I do remember being so excited when it came out, and like my dad taking me to see it. Oh, I've seen the movie a million times. That's uh, a classic Saturday morning eating breakfast watch. I could see that. I, I can see that. That seems like it might be like a TNT kind of classic. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big time BLC household. We're eating breakfast Saturday morning at 1030. What's on TV? Oh, Enemy of the State's been on for half an hour. Let's throw that on. Like that's, nice. I've seen that movie a million times like that. Um, oh, I forget the character's name because they say his name so many times, but it's Gene Hackman's friend who they reference a bunch throughout the course of the movie. And He's only actually in like one or two scenes. Oh, okay. I have to I have to rewatch that. We should definitely do that. That's a that is a really good of that time action yeah. like spy type thriller. Because I think that was 2000. And it's very 2000, which we've detailed on the show, where it's like that specific like 99 to 2000 and 2001 prior to 9-11. Like that two and a half year span at yeah, 98 specific time is it okay so yeah. maybe that that timeline opens a little bit more even because it's very of that time i was gonna say um it, the timeline that like the 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 first thing that jumped to my mind as being of the same time was eraser which i mentioned to you the other day yeah um i still haven't got a chance to watch i'm gonna i'm probably gonna watch that at some point this weekend because i want to watch that before i listen to the cinephobe episode i haven't seen that in a long time i'm gonna i'm gonna go out of my way i'm gonna buy it you need to <laughs> you, you need to seriously listen to this month's worth of Cinephobe because it is Schwarzenegger month. They did Twins Total Recall book. <laughs> well, I miss I can't see read the, the subtitle. The unbelievably my unbelievably true life story. That's right. That so it's not about Total Recall. No, it's about Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the first episode of Cinephobe this month was they've book. Moved to, <laughs> they've moved to a, like a monthly format where they choose a theme. So mm-hmm. first January was Cage Month. Um, February was Black History Month. Um, this month is Schwarzenegger Month. They did Twins. I think today they released Eraser. I'm not going to listen to it until I watch the movie because I haven't nice. seen it in like over 15 years. Um, I believe next week is Batman and Robin. Oh boy, oh boy! Because <laughs> they were talking because Amin was talking about it on the Levitar show today, and like it's obviously must have just recorded the episode, but it's not going to release until probably next week. I don't know what'll be after that. I think what they've been doing is the first three weeks because there's three of them. It's the the two hosts and the producer who's basically like a third co-host. Each of them picks one of the movies, and then the audience picks their favorite of the three and whichever the three of them had chose the winner gets to pick the fourth movie of the cool. of the month or whatever. So I don't know what the fourth one will be depending upon who wins of those three. So oh, it's an man. exciting what month. Could it of be? Kindergarten cop. There's no way it qualifies for cinephobe. It's gotta be less than 40% on rotten tomatoes on either the critic or the audience score. Six dead. 
That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. To <laughs> um, Easy. No contest. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's going to be some other random ones um, that could Hercules be in, in New York. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I mentioned it a couple of times. I know nothing of that movie other than that they dubbed all of Arnold's lines out of that movie. That's right. Um, I'm sure there's got to be other ones it could be, but my hope and my expectation is that it'll probably be six. Red Heat. I don't even know that one. I had that one in a triple movie box set. It was Red Heat, The Running Man. Oh, man. What else was in the box? Total Recall. Total okay. Recall. No. Okay. No. So that was a weird tangent that Gabriel Byrne descended. That's right. Thanks, Gabe. The best part about it was you didn't even say his name. You didn't remember that his name was Dean Keaton. You didn't remember that his name was Gabriel Byrne. You just said that guy, and I knew who you were talking about. That's right. That's right. I said the well, usual said suspect. I said end of days. <laughs> That's all I needed to say. Gabriel. Uh, here's the thing. I knew what his name was. I wasn't sure how to pronounce the last name, and I just let you do it. What did you think it was going to be? I don't know. Byrne? 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 Gabriel Passenger? <laughs> Serze? <laughs> Soze? That really bothered me. What, the way the Hungarian guy pronounced just the Soze? Fact, that and one other character says Serze as well. I don't remember what? who it was. Was it, it might was have it, been Giancarlo Esposito. I was going to say, was it extremely young Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah. I was like, when we were... When, the movie started and uh, when I was watching it with Kim. So I had already watched half of it the night before, obviously, like it's half so watched. I to see him as not a villain. I know, which is surprising. And and his name popped up. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I wonder who he plays. I didn't see him yesterday. <laughs> and then sure Kim did. goes, there he is. I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he's not wearing glasses. He's not doing villain speak. And he, I mean, he looks much younger. Yeah, he's kind of a dick in the hospital. <laughs> oh, he is a dick, but like just not outwardly a villain, which is right. Rare. Is this one of those things? Because we noticed it with a Knight's Tale with James Purefoy, like before these guys get famous, where they they become villains, like where they play roles that are non-villainous. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. You know, it was super weird for me watching this movie the first time. Because um, obviously I know about it now, but like seeing Chaz Palminteri and Dan Hedaya together in this movie just a couple of years before Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Did you grab my ass? <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Night at the Roxbury. I haven't thought about that in a minute. <laughs> That's another movie I've seen way too many times. Same. Same. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. So... You, I, I got thrown by the by the night of the Roxbury. I'm gonna be honest with you. Oh, uh, we were we, we we came back to Gabriel Byrne because you mentioned we want to see him in other things. That's right. I'm just curious. I would like to see what else he could pull off. I uh, I almost feel like you have to knock a point off this movie for Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Why? Just uh, a couple reasons. Uh, first reason when he reads the line in the lineup. That's one. I'm just talking here. And the second <laughs> that might be his best line reading of the whole movie. <laughs> the second the second is when he sings his old McDonald's song. Did not that really <laughs> killed the vibe of what was going on in that scene. <laughs> old McDonald had a farm. E I O. And on that farm, he shot some guys. <laughs> bang bang. Bang. Bang, bang. 
That was I. That was horrible. It was just horrible. I, I, I. After he said that, I just went out loud alone. Ugh. <laughs> so I think the best, the best sequence in the movie for him overall, though, is that first lineup where he's being a dick in the interrogation room. They do mm. the lineup, and then there's the whole thing where he starts to detail the job to all of them as we start to get the dynamic of the group because, like, they're all laughing together during the lineup because. As, like as detailed by the narrator, verbal, you know, they should have known better than to put all of us in that room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's funny that you say that. From accounts that I've read before, and I looked it up to make sure that like I could I could easily find this in multiple other places, and I did. Uh, but who knows if it's the same recycled story? There's also a commentary on the DVD, from what I understand. That scene was intended to be very serious, and it took all day to shoot. And all of the ca- all of the actors kept cracking that they ended up using the funniest of those scenes. I could see that. Which I think is really cool. Which speaks to the point you were making about the chemistry on screen and off screen. And uh, Benicio Del Toro was farting during the takes, which is part of the reason for the laughter and them hitting each other. Oh my god. Which I think is really silly. Also, that was, I, th- I think the first movie that Benicio Del Toro did... Sorry if you can hear that pouring through the headphones. I can, I can definitely hear it in my headphones. That's so. what we do. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the first of like the movies I think that Benicio del Toro did the ridiculous voice you can't understand, and like I think it's just kind of like carried with him since then. That's what I was so curious about. What what is he doing? <laughs> I mean, it's a combination of like racist stereotype of like a Hispanic guy who speaks English, and also he has a speech impediment. It's all and, and yeah. also he's like an uneducated criminal, I guess. It's all, it's all over the place. I do love this. I love when they're in lockup together, and he's like, "Guys, call me a criminal. You are a criminal. Why do you got to say that? I'm trying to make a point." <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most intelligible line he says in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, though, it's the only time that the the shitty voice that he's doing actually works is during the lineup when they're reading the. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> That's the only time it's actually funny in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Oh, man. Um, what's his name? Oh, I, I okay. Well, as we jump around, one of the things I really enjoy, uh, we all know that these guys, these they were all criminals. They all know they're criminals. They haven't worked together. Two of them have worked together. They are aware of each other. Well, t- two groups, Verbal and Dean Keaton know each other. Mm-hmm. And Fencer and... McManus. McManus know each other. They worked their their five years partners. Yes, but with the exception of verbal, all of them know of each other. Right, right. Uh, so I love I love to get that. So like, there's this whole thing of like, oh, who stole the guns? Right, who stole the guns? Who stole the guns? And like, it, it I'm I am fairly convinced after all of that that none of them did it, and this is just a trumped up charge that they brought them all in on until that scene when they're playing pool and uh the lawyer kobayashi goes uh whatever his name is what's the who's um hang on i'm looking it up real quick uh hockney hockney uh boosted the truck with the guns and they all turn to him and he just he goes what <laughs> and he shrugs <laughs> that's that's a great scene I really enjoyed that. Uh, one of the, pretty much so, all the Kobayashi scenes are great, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think what's really funny the whole the name Kobayashi and the character that they're showing, uh, 
Kim goes, doesn't finish the movie, uh, right? She only saw part of it. She got up to that scene, uh, and he goes, my name is Mr. Kobayashi. And she goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, I kind of went through the same thing at the beginning, too. And I was like, well, I don't know. There was always a thing with, like, Japan, Britain, and Japan, and the U.S. So, like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but no. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, she's right. <laughs> by the end uh which is really funny kind of is she yes i mean she's she, there she's right in that that's not his name that is not his name yet. yeah uh he does exist not his name <laughs> but that was the way that she said that i i, I thought that when she said it i tried to i didn't i don't think i gave anything away but i was like yeah i mean you're right <laughs> but uh one of the things that that uh was always funny to me was the first time I saw this movie, I had been, I had already, I, it was not that long ago, maybe a couple of years back, maybe three years ago, four years ago was the first time I watched this. Okay. So for me, it was a little longer. I would guess it was about less than 10, like eight to 10 years. I saw it for the first time. So at this point, I'm very familiar with Kevin Spacey. I had seen him in a lot of things. When you first saw it, you mean? Yeah. Okay. And the movie start, I didn't actually know much about it. I just knew that it was a movie that I needed to watch from all accounts. I didn't really well, know what the movie was about. So I went through a funny thing at that time. So you can tell exactly when I saw this movie because it was around the time that my cousin June got married. And I know that because my cousin Dennis, who might be listening to this episode, Mike's brother, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mike. Um, Hi, Mike. He gave me a bunch of movies to watch at the wedding. And this was in that group. And in quick succession, among the group of movies he gave me, first of all, he gave me all of the Kevin Smith movies. Nice. That was in that thing. I watched also amongst that group of movies, um, The Usual Suspects and Seven, Mm. which I believe were the same year or within a year of each other. And both obviously star or feature heavily Kevin Spacey. So to that point, maybe I had seen the first season of House of Cards, if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, around then. Other than that, I really hadn't seen him in anything. And then I saw those two things in quick succession. Mm. Um, and I've, other, I've seen other things since then, obviously. But So I, I, had, kept, I had kept my distance. I knew, I knew nothing of it, just that it was a movie that people loved. And I, I enjoy doing that sometimes. I'm like, oh, like. When I hear from a reliable source, you should watch this. It's good. You'll enjoy it and know nothing else about it. That's fun to me sometimes. Yeah, so, and that yeah. was how I entered uh, watching this the first time. So this it, it, this movie does a very 90s thing of the opening is very long oh, and yeah. it's just credits, which I actually kind of miss because it does some. I actually pay attention and I read them all. I like it as a nice little curveball into the wild. I don't need it in every movie. Oh, yeah, it's nice right. to just the- get it occasionally. That's fair. So I remember this very vividly, watching it the first time, uh, reading out the names of the people that are going to be in it. It's like, oh, no, that person. Oh, no, no, Kevin Spacey, know him. Uh, and I, so the movie starts off, we get the, the opening scene, which is the, like, the end, basically, of, of, the, of the event that will then be told kind of in reverse. And a character walks down the steps, and they show it, from, they show it at the feet and the waist. And it's Kevin Spacey, which you'll find out later. Uh, but in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, so here's Kevin Spacey. And the reason why I thought that immediately was he has a very recognizable gait. 
Oh, I guess and I've never. This is very silly. And I don't know why I knew that, and I called that, and then they then they didn't show him, and I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> like that's because uh, well, you hear face. a voice deliver a couple of lines, but it's very raspy. And it's obviously someone's putting on a voice, but not necessarily recognizable. And not that I would say Kevin Spacey has a tremendous talent for voices, but it doesn't really sound like Kevin Spacey in that scene, right? And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe not. Like so, out of the gate, I was like, oh, Kevin Spacey, <laughs> which I thought was, which in hindsight I thought was very funny because there's no reason to think that except for. I happen to notice this, <laughs> right? And then a little bit later, you find out that he's a con man. I was like, oh, maybe maybe this whole thing is going to play out and it's going to be a twist and he's going to be the guy that, that was him. Whatever, movie plays out. Then we get the, it, we're leading, leaning heavily into a retelling of the story from his perspective, which they do a very good job. I think uh, they, they go deep into it being his version of the story to the point where I almost forget that he's telling it. Yes. And then I was like, then when they're showing that, when we finally reach that final sequence and they're showing you where he is, I'm kind of forgetting at that point. I was like, oh, I guess, I guess it's not going to be him because he, he's over here, not over there where the thing is happening. And I, in my initial viewing of the movie, I was so captivated by what was happening that it did not click for me like in that moment. I, otherwise it would have... I would have been right, right? Like, I would have known, like, it didn't click for me, like, oh, no, like, we're getting this telling of the story. Like, he yeah, is yeah. the guy. Like, that's why it looks this way. Well, so what makes this movie unique in this sort of thing is, um, and I, I guess it's, it's to the credit of the movie, because remember, like, I felt like, oh, 30 seconds into fucking, like, Joker, I called that it's going to be an unreliable narrator situation. And you see the inconsistencies in the story, so you know that you're right in that. And so you called it for a slightly different reason in this Mm. movie, but the way that the story is told, you don't see the inconsistencies. And so it doesn't actually allow you to try and puzzle that out during the course of it, but nothing in there rings untrue when the reveal comes. And you can recall, I think it probably just comes down to the, the level of, in the case of the Joker, it's someone with a mental disability right he, like mm-hmm. he is crazy like i don't know what his diagnosis is because i'm not a psychiatrist but like he is not well of sound body and mind right right as opposed to verbals telling the story i mean like i'm sure generally speaking he's some sort of sociopath but like sharp and of sound mind telling the story there are no inconsistencies because he is such a good storyteller Right. Which is what makes it so. And I'm sure some people now would feel betrayed by that because they're used to, like we were talking about earlier, like the online hypothesizer, right? Of mm-hmm. kind of, like piece together this and that. Like, you can't do that with this movie. Like, no. you just ultimately will have to come to, oh shit, that's right. He's been telling the story. We're at his mercy this whole time. There is no gleaning or picking those things it, right. apart, really, outside of a couple of little, like very small things where it's just the way that someone looks at each other. Or like some like it's not inconsistencies in the story per se. It's just like you highlighted something about this seems slightly off. And I think it's supposed to throw you like you're supposed to feel that as like a almost a sixth sense like thing when you're watching where like said, oh, it picks up and it seems like what are they? They're not doing anything. Well, they're waiting for the story to begin. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. it, It is interesting. It's like 
because even you are if if you start making assumptions without having seen the movie the first time, you are just grasping at straws because they, it is so it is very well executed. That's there is not at. a lot of breadcrumbs to follow. No, uh, and and well done on yes. the writing aspect of this. Yeah, because like, I think sometimes that whole breadcrumb thing actually ends up weaker writing because it's like you're trying too hard to tip off this thing to get the whole hypothesis because it can spread some word of mouth right mm -hmm. like i understand like it's a t it's a tool like it can be yeah like because like you can you can start to start to really suspect it towards the end when we're getting closer to the reveal and it's very heavily and if you're starting to pay attention that it's very heavily this person's point of view that that's when you could start to Nearly when you could start to or basically Right. And that's when you can start to guess, but you still don't have any like you can't you can't pass it as a jury like <laughs> that, that, that this is what happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, until we get like the uh, the way that it all unfolds is awesome. I do love that. I mean, that scene is fantastic with Chaz, old Chazzy pants with his with his mug. Breaks the mug. Oh, yeah. Staring at everything. The quartet, the the different stories. Uh, Stokey, Red Illinois, Foot. Yeah. Red and Foot. then he drops. The, oh, that was so good. And then. Must the, must have been four hundred pounds, you yep. know. All the and then the uh, just the cherry on top, the cracking mug, bottom of the mug says Kobayashi. Kobayashi, ooh, is that good? That's a really great scene. That's so well done. I love that. Uh, and then on top of all of that, I love that he figures it out just before the facts comes through. Yes, that's awesome. And that he doesn't even need and the facts or doesn't, doesn't even see, see it, facts, right? which is great. I think that's really that's really awesome. Um. Oh man, it's just it's 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 well done. Uh, there was actually there were there were little things like in rewatching because obviously you know you watch it the second time you're not getting that shock value, but you are. That's what that's what makes it impressive is like what we were just saying is like you can look for all the holes you want they're not there. The only time you actually see it, I think, really, is when chaz palmateri i'm forgetting his name is special agent whatever kuyan that's what it's mm -hmm. special agent kuyan when he's pressing him at the end to try and get him to to admit that it's keaton and the keaton's alive right mm -hmm. you start to see little snippets flashbacks to the story those don't jive with what's going on exactly like, like what you had actually already seen when he's telling the story yeah those don't 100 percent jive and it's I think it's supposed to be verbal playing back those moments in his head to try and see if he left a crack in his story. Hmm. I, I, that's what, how I've always interpreted that scene ever since the first time I watched it. That's how I've always interpreted it is him kind of going through a quick mental like catalog of all those things to say, did I miss something? Did I let something slip? Is he trying to trap me? Because remember, like, Kuyan is pushing him towards actually a different conclusion than what the truth is, right? Right. And so I've always wondered, is, is that him trying to make sure there's no cracks in the armor of his story here? And you see inconsistencies there in the way that Keaton treated him because it's Kuyan saying, you know, oh, no, he treated you like shit, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you see the when he punches him and you know, when he he's cold to him, when he comes to his apartment and this, like all of those different things. And they're not quite the scenes that you see play out when he's narrating the story. Yeah, that's a good point. And they, and they intentionally in those clips, not quite the, quite in the, not quite in the way that when they do those clips back, they are actually from like a different 
camera angle. They're different. Like a lot, a bunch yes. of them play out from a different perspective, which which is that which is probably the strongest hint. Yes. At that point, yeah, and that's, then even that's, that's like cool. five minutes before you find out for real. So like, it's that's not right. Much of a tip off. Yeah. Oh, that's just really cool. I uh, I kind of love that. That's awesome. Um, one of the things I was kind of curious about. So like, as far as like his story being pretty sound and the only thing that he he has to keep track of i think is his whereabouts for the times when he's actually screwing like you know when he's actually changing it up um so like i'm under the impression that i I was reading some stuff after the fact that people like theories that people had on it and i thought they were all a a reach i feel like i've I've never read any online theories of so. so like some of them are like oh is is uh the character Kobayashi, like, is he the actual Kaiser Soze, or like, is something? I'm like, no, no, you're, no. Like, you're, 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 nope. I was like, you're missing. I feel like you're completely missing the point. And then like, they all, they all end these theory statements when these like these theory articles I was reading with. The whole point is it doesn't matter. It's like that's no, that's also not the point. I don't think. I think the point is that it's him. <laughs> that's how yeah. I interpret no, I was it. Like, at least. You can. There's some other things you could probably argue that of like, oh, does it really matter or whatever? Like, like for instance, is is his name really Kobayashi? Doesn't matter, no. right? Like, oh, well, and I don't think like, it. Like, maybe I, it I just is, think it's it's, but it probably isn't. I think like, it's clearly like, it not. Matter. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you said, I think what what I was kind of curious about at first was like, oh, I wonder if Kobayashi is not his name. The first question comes to mind then, all right, does that guy exist or is this just an extravagant story? But then we see that guy at the end. So you get this idea of like, okay, so these things played out. The names are probably not accurate specifically yes. to keep people hidden. Great. And then I was like, oh, what about, uh, was it Redfoot? Is that so that's name? the one to me that considering we don't see him at the end, mm-hmm. I actually expect, and I imagine that if you look up online, there are theories of the same thing. I don't believe that the whole red foot storyline is real at all. I don't think that there was a red foot, like not the name. Like, I don't think that that guy and that storyline even happened, but that guy and that story. Oh, I guess it would make sense that that didn't happen in somehow connecting, like fabricating a situation and a, and a a trail that doesn't exist to a lawyer that doesn't exist. Makes a lot of sense. If you're going to feed that to the cop. Yes. Because if you think about it, that allowed him to push the responsibility off of verbal mm-hmm. and it pushes it on to McManus because McManus is the genesis of the idea. He has the contact. And since, McMac- since McManus is dead, there's no way to verify that whole storyline. So it gives him separation in that moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas realistically after the lineup, it's probably verbal who pitches the job to all. And when they get there, it's Kobayashi who gives who blackmails him immediately. That whole storyline probably didn't happen at all. Yeah, that makes sense. That's always been my read on the situation. Yeah, I I I I think I'm on board with that theory because it, it does make a lot of sense. And also, him covering his tracks is also in that storyline. There's a lot of people referring to uh, uh, Kevin Spacey's character verbal as the man with the plan, and I think that's his own personal nod to himself. Yes. Like that he wrote that whole thing. It like yes. his, you know, in his writing, he wrote that whole thing in. Like obviously they stole the diamonds and they probably found a fence, but those that fence is probably not Redfoot or but if Redfoot was a character, that's probably the last we hear of him. Right. Yeah, you know I mean like like there is no connection to Kobayashi probably. It's Kobayashi probably just tracks them down. Yeah. Wow. 
That's cool. Um, oh, there is a super intense and definitely overlooked the first time I watched this. Uh, or d- dark, intense, dark, dark bit of story where um, Gabriel Byrne, why, I lost his name again. What's his Keaton. character name? Keaton. Keaton? Yes. Uh, his, the lawyer was found dead. Yeah, actually, I realized when I was watching it too, I don't recall that being a detail from the last time I watched it. I, I just and but that all that all makes a lot of sense because and how how did that happen? Keaton's still alive? No, uh, Kobayashi or whatever his actual name is went and killed her while Verbal's being held to really c- just completely disconnect him from this. Well, really. it's a perfect. It's a perfect like Patsy like like making. It's like the final nail in Keaton's coffin is. Oh well, Edie Finneran showed up dead. So if there were a Kaiser Soze, why would he kill her? Right. It's obviously Keaton doing it to cover his tracks and to, you know to cut all ties to everyone, so he could be the true Kaiser Soze and disappear. You know that we never see again. Now it's Kaiser Soze being two steps ahead of Kuyan because, well, realistically, there's no reason for him to kill Edie except to make Keaton the Patsy. Right. Ah, it's crazy. It's well done. It's really well executed. I think the, 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 the writing is, is really strong. I like there's, that there's no holes. Yeah, there, there's some funny bits of dialogue, too, and I, I didn't keep any of them down, but there's the, the, this, the, the line towards the end of their conversation where Cleon tells him, you know, turn evidence and we'll give you protection. And he goes... Protection, I don't need your protection. I have my own set of problems or whatever. He goes, come on, we'll, we'll take care of you. You know, Keaton's out there. He's looking for you. He goes, he says, like, the whole thing about, you know, oh, thanks a lot, Dave. And he, yeah. uh, he says the, the whole thing about, you know, oh, you want me to trust a guy, you know, this and that. He goes, yeah, why don't you kiss my pucker or whatever? I'm like, yeah. Like, no one talks like that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. I, I realized, I think I wrote down a couple of favorite moments and I wanted to see if I, uh, oh, the music is really solid uh, in that the way that it drives the suspense of all of the scenes that are meant to be suspenseful. They do a really good job with the sound design. I think that's awesome. Um, the other stuff of my favorite moments we 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 already went over, but my least favorite moment is Kevin Spacey's greasy widow's peak in that one series of scenes with his purple sunglasses. His hair is like really greasy in that scene, and the widow peak is like. It's really long. Like it almost, I feel like it almost comes down to his nose. It's well, very it's a dramatic exaggerated. Widow's Peak, and then on top of that, the very end of it has a long fringe. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. Uh, I would say for for me, a scene that I was really like a big fan of, just visually, the scene when Fenster shows up dead and they have to go and bury him, yeah. and the camera is down and in the back of that cave and sh- looking up and out at them yeah. getting in the mouth of the cave with like like a lightning storm out past the mouth of the cave going on in the night that's a really cool looking scene that's that a is- great scene i also was thinking uh in the end i was like did that happen i mean i'm sure it didn't happen like that it's just but, something something about that scene. If you were, if you're like now, if you if you're going back and analyzing everything, it just seems like like aesthetically, it doesn't fit with the design of everything else. It feels like a fantasy. It's possible it didn't happen. It's just a convenient. It's almost like covering your tracks by pointing 
it's hiding in plain sight, right? Where it's like, they're going to find him because he's buried in sand. So let me just tell you he's there and I'll co- concoct a story mm. around why I know that he's there. And right, you're not going to look too it. closely because yeah. I killed him or you know, my people killed him, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to look too closely because I'm telling you he's there and why he died and you're eating all this story up anyway. So you're not going to look too closely at this probably or by the time you do, I'm going to be long gone anyway. So, um, but that's not to say that it couldn't have happened just probably, you know, like in Clue. That's how it could have happened. <laughs> right. But it's more likely it happened like this, right? Like where one plus two okay, plus two prob- plus one. <laughs> no, they probably tracked Fencer down and he's dead and they buried him just to cover their own asses. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, that's a good like point. that part about, you know, I'm not doing it for you and I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for me. Like that part rings true. The spirit of it, even if the conversation didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Al, do you have anything else? Any other notes on this bad boy? Um, specifically, uh, the scene is probably more exciting of a scene than it should be, and it's kind of great as like an inversion of what's going on. This the the scene with, I guess it's technically the final Kobayashi scene when they kidnap him on the elevator because mm. that comes together really quickly. It's just like go 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 go. And just that whole thing in the elevator with with uh, McManus up on top um, and the way they go through all of it. And he just totally he's like, oh, yes, yes. Kill me if you must. And blah, blah, blah. but wait. Yeah, that it's like, that's a total fuck you to all of them. You know, oh, I'm going to kill your uncle and, uh, you know, oh, I'll probably only kill them and not actually like degrade them too and like have like your wife raped or whatever it was like jesus christ dude and it was like oh by the way there's Edie over there it's like yeah holy shit yeah it's that's pretty intense i actually one of the things i was really looking forward like looking for in that scene was is there any sort of tell of nervousness on kobayashi's face like or because he seems very cool and collected i was like oh i wonder if like if you could catch him shooting a glance to verbal at any point during this and you don't and it's because he has that ace in the hole well two things also if i recall i'm just trying to mentally go over the scene now does verbal have his back to kobayashi for most of that scene no he i think he's like almost directly in front of him off to the left unless unless the blocking doesn't come through right in the seat in the way that they well i was was wondering because i I feel like he's pacing behind Kobayashi for most of the scene when they're interrogating, when they bring him up to the open room, when they, when McManus puts the gun to him, because I know Kobayashi's right in front of you looking at you like the yeah. camera look and McManus and Keaton are right behind him to, to the viewers, right to Kobayashi's left. And I get the impression from my recollection of it. And I'm not looking at it. So I'm just this is based on my memory that Hockney and verbal or behind him i think hockney and verbal are are opposite each other but the way that the camera is laid out kobayashi's in the foreground Mm -hmm. you see everyone on screen you don't see you don't see verbal you sure i don't yeah because they anytime they show you him they they cut they cut it's a it's a different camera or it's Mm -hmm. a different angle so they're showing like you see him from a different perspective than you see everybody else which also could potentially mean that he's not there it's possible, um, though I would so so that he doesn't that he have the opportunity to give it away. Yeah, I, I would expect that he's there most of the time. Yeah, but 
I know that it. The, we talked about like if there are any tiny little breadcrumbs, there is one. The very first time Kobayashi meets them at the pool, mm-hmm. like room, he just appears in the room. They cut the camera to all of them. You can see the pool table and them behind and around it. Yeah. And they cut back and he's just standing there mm-hmm. on the, like in the, in the background. Like you never see him enter the room. Yeah. Now, it's not to say that he didn't enter the room, but you don't see it. Yeah. But it's, it is kind of mysterious. Yes. Which is intentional, obviously, but it's, sure. yeah. Cause even if, if it, it is, even if you're playing it straight, he is meant to be omnipotent adjacent in this movie. Mm. Right. Where it's like, he just, there's a band name. <laughs> Omnipotent adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I will say my my final thought on this movie is, even though it's the the momentum is building up for the reveal, that moment where he's there showing you, and you talked about his particular gait, but he's limping, and they only show you him walking, and then all of a sudden the the walk becomes normal. Yeah, it's it's pretty. That's strong. such a moment. That's just such a fucking moment. That and the dedication to uh, to the bit throughout the movie and like consistent, consistent foot angle, consistent hand, like hand like cramp. And he plays it so dramatically, too, when he's like, why didn't you save your friend Keaton? And he goes, yeah, I missed. (laughs) He shows his hand and I'm like, fuck, man, you have him hook, line and sinker right there. That and the, when he's doing the when he's trying to light his cigarette and he's like, like trying to <laughs> flip it open and he throws the lighter. It, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. I just but. remember that he's so pathetic in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. He's the devil. Well, how are you going to shoot the devil? What if you miss? As he just shows <laughs> the hand and I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. I Oh. Uh, in that scene, in the, in that final scene, where uh, Terry, <laughs> what's his name again, Kuyan, where he where he finally pieces it together, the line right before that of like it all has a system. You just gotta sometimes you gotta look at it from a distance. That that leading into him looking at the board from it, I was like, oh my, could this be any more on the nose? And how great is this? <laughs> I was, it was pretty meta. <laughs> I love that. Well, good pick, Al. Good pick. Oh, did I pick this one? You did. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode of Flicks and a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksandasix at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness with our Flick of the Week, Bottle Shock. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Albie Olsey. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>